We've been sharing over these last few weeks um, about prayer and really about what does that mean because, you know, when we think about prayer, we can really uh, make it about everything other than what it is. And we can actually, and just by way of human nature, I think we complicate it. You're like, well, what is prayer? It's very, very, very simple. It is talking to God. It's that simple. Not in somebody else's verbiage either. You ought to talk to God like you do to your friends. You just talk to God the way you talk. You don't have to sound like the Bible for God to listen. And as a matter of fact, if your Bible doesn't read like you talk, I would encourage you to get a Bible that reads like you talk. Does that make sense? If you've got some out-of-date Bible that's Elizabethan, there's nothing wrong with it. I study from those, but that's just not the way I talk. And if you're like, well, I love that translation. Praise the Lord. There's nothing wrong with it. If you understand it, great. See, the problem for me is now I have memorized many scriptures and many translations, so I just have to go on Google and type in what I know and be like, what translation did that one come out of? And then it tells me it's a great resource for me. And uh, because I have things memorized in different, you know, different translations. And so, but uh, there are some things, though, that, you know, and we've been sharing about this is even the idea of like, you know, we want to be better at prayer. And I think we could all acknowledge that, hey, I, can, I need to pray more. I think we can all say that. Uh, no one ever prays enough, but it's like, well, how much is enough? Good question. I, I don't have that answer for you this morning. But I think we could all say, hey, we want to be more effective in prayer for sure. And we want to make sure that we're praying prayers. And, and here's one of the best ways you can pray is to go find you a scripture that has to do with what you're praying for. So if you need provision in your life and you're praying, go find you some scripture and say, Father God, I thank you. I want to remind you of what your word says. <laughs> because I'm not confident in my prayer, but I am confident in your word. And your word says that if I would be generous, that it would cause your blessing to flow into my life. If I need healing in, your, in my body, that Isaiah 53 says that by his stripes... Christ stripes, by the, by the wounds that he took, that what I am now healed. First Peter 2, 24 would also be another verse for healing. And, uh, that gives you a lot of confidence. Why? Because it's not my, I'm not just throwing up some random word. I'm saying, God, this is what your word promises me. And I thank you that the Bible says he watches over his word to bring it about, to make it happen in our life. And that's true for all of us. And so that's one little thing. That's not in my notes. That's a freebie. You're welcome. And, um, but that's a great way. If you're like, you know, last week I shared with you, like, I don't know what to say. Okay, what's your need? Go find a scripture. I already mentioned it. You're like, well, I don't know, you know, I, I need a scripture. You can go Google it. Scripture on whatever. Right? Technology, we can use it to our advantage. It's not just evil. There are some things that aren't great out there. I get. There are some things that are horrible out there. I get that. But use it to your advantage. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. That's good news for all of us. But we have a great resource. We ought to use it to our advantage. And so, you know, we were talking about these things last week. And so last week, I actually walked you through the Lord's Prayer. Really how to pray. And it's a method. It's not the method. It's a method that we can pray. But I walked you through it. And so if you weren't here last week, I would encourage you. Jump on the website. Uh, you can get on the app or however you want to access that. Uh, and then even over the last number of weeks, we've been talking about this. So Pastor Sam, Pastor John, myself, we've all been sharing with you about prayer. And so last week, it was really about how to pray. And I'm going to continue along that line this morning on the how to, but I also want to give you some of the why. I think we know, for the most part, why. 
I think we all know why we should pray because we need some help. (laughs) That's why we pray. But, you know, it's not reserved simply for I need help. There's more to prayer than just that. And it's also not that prayer has to be done in a church. Prayer can be done anywhere that you are. It's just saying, God, I, I just, man, I need to talk. You know, you ever have that where you phone a friend, you're like, yo, I don't need anything. I just need you to listen because I need to vent. Anybody else like that or is it just me? I'm the only one that gets like a little tied up in my emotions sometimes. I'm like, I don't need you to talk. Just let me, just let me talk. I don't need any advice. I just need to get it out. So I don't, you know, let's go to the Lord and pray and just say, Lord Jesus, I thank you that I don't need you to say anything right now. I just need to get this off my chest and I'll, I'll, I'll ask for some forgiveness when I'm done. So please don't interrupt me. I just need to get it off my chest, but I need to get it out, right? See, that's, that's the way I pray. I don't know how you pray. I'm just real with God. God, this ticks me off. I don't like it. This is not the way this was supposed to go. All right, Lord, thank you. I'll stop being selfish right now. And I ask you to help me today in Jesus' name. Amen. That's how my prayer sounds. And then sometimes I can't even have words and it comes out like a sigh. Just... I know I'm the only one that has issues in here, but here's a cool verse about that though. In Psalms, it says that God listens, will listen to our sighs. So when I don't even have words and I just got to take a breath, God says, I'll accept that as a prayer when you need it. You know, it's actually uh, proven that like, especially in a time of grief, that you sigh. Just, and isn't that cool that, God made provision that says, hey, I'll accept your sigh of being overwhelmed as a prayer that I can answer. How cool is that? I love that. I stole it from somebody, but it's really good, and it encourages me. (laughs) I'm not that smart, but it's really cool anyways. So this morning, though, I want to read you a couple of verses. I got three specific areas or three things that I believe will help you uh, in the area of prayer. But I just want to give you a couple of scriptures here. regarding prayer and really some instruction for us about prayer. So in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 through 18, this is out of the Passion Translation. It says, let, your jo- or, let joy be your continual feast. You may say, well, I'm not very joyful this morning. Joy is sometimes a choice, not a circumstance. See, happiness is fleeting. Joy is not. They're not the same thing. Happiness can come and go. How many Saints fans I got in the room? I hate to bring this up. Look, y'all got robbed. I'm just going to tell you. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Y'all got robbed. There was excitement by what? Great devastation. That's happiness. But I would hope that this morning, that you're not stealing mourning over a football game. Because why? You have a greater joy than a football team. So it says here, let your joy, or let joy be your continual, your constant feast. The Bible in Nehemiah says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. If the enemy can get your joy, guess what he also got was your strength. Something to think about. Goes on in verse 17, it says, make your life a prayer. Prayer is not just a momentary thing that we do, it's a life that we live. So he says, make prayer your habit. Make it so normal that it's just part of your day. That it's not like you've got to have this perfect moment to pray. Like I just told you, God, I'm ticked off. 
I don't want to go say what's on my mind to somebody else, so I'm going to come pray. Let, let, let your life become an act of prayer. It says, and in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks, for this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. The Amplified Bible says it this way, be unceasing in prayer, praying perseveringly. You don't quit, you press in. Pastor John talked about that uh, right, uh, right at the, right, actually before we started this, but being persistent in prayer. Being persistent in prayer. It says, thank God in everything, no matter what the circumstances may be. Be thankful and give thanks, for this is the will of God for you who are in Christ. Pray without ceasing. You're like, well, how am I going to work? You work and you pray. Prayer doesn't make you weird. God doesn't make people weird. As much as people might want to blame God for being weird. No, you're weird before Jesus. You can be weird after Jesus. So... That's just being weird, right? You can be redeemed and be weird, okay? Holiness does not equate to craziness. Quite the opposite. Sorry, that's my little soapbox. I'll get off now. But yet it says that we are to pray. When? Whenever we have the opportunity. It might be 30 seconds. Prayer doesn't have to be this long, drawn-out thing. But yet here it says that we're to pray without ceasing. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 18 in the Amplified Bible says that we are to pray with all prayer and petition with specific request at all times. Now look, I'm your pastor. Let me just tell you something. Please hear this. Do not call me or text me or Facebook me saying, I have an unspoken prayer request. I went to a school the last couple years of high school. Because of some circumstances, there was a Christian school. And every day, we'd have 20 unspoken prayer requests. Guess what I cannot do with that? I cannot attach my faith to it. I can't. Why? Because I don't know what I'm praying for. So, with specific request, at all times, on every occasion, in every season, in the Spirit... It says, and with this in view, stay alert with all perseverance and petition, interceding in prayer for all of God's people. So we have instruction here that we are to pray without ceasing. There's a pretty popular quote. I like quotes, and it's from a guy named Martin Luther. who He's a dead preacher. I like to quote dead preachers. I just like what they say. And he says this. He says, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. That's how normal prayer should be for us. Like that we, you know, like you didn't think about it, but you just took a breath. You just took another one. Did you have to think lungs open up and breathe? No. What? It's so natural. You don't even think about it. Prayer should actually become so natural. We don't even think about it. Now, if we're not careful, we'll be like, oh man, I don't pray enough. Welcome to the club. All of us. Welcome to the club. So I don't, I'm not sharing these things with you to condemn. I'm not sharing it with you to, to cause a heaviness. That's not what I'm saying. But I do want you to understand the importance of prayer. So my first thing, my first thought for you this morning is, and why it's important that we pray. So last week was a lot about the how. This week's about the why. Some, some of it is about the why. But this is one that's very important of why we pray. Why, why do we need to pray? The first thought is this is that prayer positions us correctly prayer gets us in the right place for God to work now there's several things that I could say about this but 
at the base of it all is that prayer acknowledges our need of God. If I didn't need him, I wouldn't pray to him, right? But the fact that I pray says, God, this is beyond my ability to control or to change. God, I need you to work. And so I'm acknowledging my need. And so part of that, what happens is that what? It's humility. For me to pray is an act of saying, God, you're bigger and more important than me. And you're more powerful than me. And I need your help. Now, here's what I don't want you to hear. Because this is the way many people pray. God, I need you. 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 Let me give you an example of this. We treat God sometimes like a dentist or like a plumber. We call and we visit them when something is wrong. Have you ever gone to your dentist and say, hey, I just wanted to come by and see how you're doing? Good to see you today. Everything good? I, didn't come, I don't need a cleaning. I don't, my teeth are great. I don't have any issues. I just want to say hello. Make sure you're doing all right. We don't call a plumber when everything's working fine. We call them when stuff's backing up in the sink and we're like, what are you doing? I don't care. Come on. Right? Like, I need you here right now. Like, the toilet is, I got issues. I, I, I need you. And yet, we can treat prayer much the same way. God, I need you to help. God, I need, I need, I need. But there's a difference between need and want. There's nothing wrong with praying when we have needs. Because, yes, prayer does acknowledge my need for God. But how many of you also, and I believe that we should actually get to the place where it's no longer just the need of God, but God, now I want you. I want you. Like, I don't want to live today without you. I don't want to try to figure out today without you. I don't want to make decisions without you. I need your wisdom today. I don't know what's coming, but I believe that you do, and whatever comes and faces me, you're going to give me the wisdom that I need, and I want it. I I want your influence today. So it's not just about need. It's actually about want. So we need to approach God from less of a need. Now, there's nothing wrong with needing things. I mean, that is, but that shouldn't always be the case. Because that need only speaks of what? He's like a sugar daddy in the sky. Can you write me a check? The want is saying, hey, I want to be in your presence. I want to be with you. I want you. I don't just need you. I want you. I mean, my marriage would not work very well if me or Dara only dealt with each other by a need basis. She's my friend. We do life together. There's nothing wrong with having needs. You know, sometimes she needs me to get something off the top shelf of the cabinets. Because she don't want to go get a ladder. So she calls me and says, can you get that? But what if she only ever talked to me when she had a need? What if I only talked to her when I said, hey, where are my clothes? Where is this? Or, well, for me it would be, I need you to tell me where you put my stuff. Because it's not where I would have put it. So where, where is my stuff now? Because you've moved it. What if that was the basis of all of our conversation? It was based strictly on need. Not, hey, I want to be with you. When we were dating, I wanted to be with her all the time. Stay up all night, falling asleep on the phone. Wake up. You still there? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm here. Oh, yeah, I'm here. Just, you hang up. No, you hang up. I mean, it's crazy, you know. Y'all laughed because y'all did it. I ain't feeling bad up here. Because <laughs> what? We, man, we had this want. 
And even in marriage, what happens? That want turns into need, and then we stop really actually knowing each other. So it's important. Well, the same is true in our relationship with the Lord. He need, we need to not just be in need, we need to be in want. Like, God, I want you to be around. I want you to be a part of my daily life. The difference between a person who prays and being a person of prayer is very simple because they're not the same thing. You can be a person who prays or you can be a person of prayer. The difference is the priority of the prayer. Do you go to God first or last? That's the difference. Do I go to God first or do I go to him last? That's the difference. We want to be a people of prayer, not just people who pray. There's a big difference. The difference is the priority. Where do we pray? When do we pray? In Acts chapter 10, verse 2, this is talking about a man named Cornelius. And he wasn't in the family of God, but yet he found favor with God. And in verse 2 it says that he was... um, Well, let me get back to the right translation so it matches the screens for you. Chapter 2, or verse 2 of chapter 10, it says, He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor, and he prayed regularly to God. I'm not going to go into the details of it, but an angel shows up, and the angel responds, because he's like, hey, what you showing up for? An angel shows up, you might want to ask him why. I'm just a little side note there. Because you might be thinking, oh, it's time to go to heaven. He's like, no, I came to bring you an answer. It's not time to go yet. So you might want to ask. But he asks, he says, what are you here for? And he says, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. One translation says, I have come in response to your prayers and to your gifts to the poor. But he was a man who feared God. In Daniel 10, 12, I've shared this verse before, but Daniel had been praying and he'd been waiting for an answer and waiting for an answer and waiting for an answer. And the angel comes to him and says, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your requests have been heard in heaven and I have come to answer your prayers. The priority of prayer, it matters. Is it first? Is it last? Is it, well, I've ran out of, I've talked to everybody and nobody can help me. I've asked every friend for advice, and yet none of them can tell me anything about it. Where's the priority? So you have to be intentional about this. It's the priority of prayer. See, truly, prayer is an outward expression of a humble heart. It really is. God, I I need you, and I want you. I need you, and I want you. My second thought for you is this. So it's the priority of prayer. The next one is to make prayer a priority. You're like, well, isn't that the same thing? No. Because one says, I'm going to keep prayer in the right place. And one's going to say, I'm going to make sure that I pray. So I want to keep it in order, but I'm going to make sure that I'm intentional about prayer as well. So let me break this down kind of practically. What would it look like if we actually did this and made prayer a priority. What would that actually look like in our day-to-day life? What if we gave God the first part of our day, like before your feet hit the ground? It doesn't have to be long, but it's connecting with God. Hey, God, today, I just thank you that you're with me, that I'm not alone. I don't know what's coming, but your grace is sufficient for today. Amen. Let me get out of bed. You could do that. It's just being intentional to connect with heaven before we start our day. What if 
What would happen if we had the habit to pray first in every situation? Now, I'm going to give you some practical examples of this. What would it look like if we prayed before we went to the medicine cabinet? Before we make the phone call, before we go to the doctor, just, Father, I thank you that you're working in my life. I think you have symptoms in my body, but I thank you that the Bible declares that I am the healed of the Lord. There's nothing wrong with medicine. I'm not telling you not to use medicine. That's not what I'm saying. What if you prayed before you paid your bills? See, I had to actually put this one into action because I looked at my bills and all I could think of was, I just ain't got enough money. (laughs) And I would get down on myself. As a matter of fact, I have a sheet. It's real simple. Real, real simple. And it lists all of my bills in the month and I put a little mark there so I know I've paid them. At the top of that sheet, I have declarations from the word of God about my provision. Father, I thank you that you are my source. That's one of my declarations. And, And for a long time, I had to, before I ever looked at my bills, I looked at God's word first. And I would begin to thank him for his provision in my life. Because the bills were overwhelming. Because I didn't have enough money to pay the bills. What if you prayed before you paid your bills? What if you went to the Lord in prayer before asking anyone else's opinion? Before you make that text, make that phone call. Before you, you know, do however you communicate with people. What if you went to the Lord and just said, Lord, I I thank you. You have wisdom for me today in this circumstance, in this situation. I got this relational issue going on. There's a family dynamic that needs some some help. And before I call and tell them what I think, I think I need to pray. It's amazing how much many times that when I've prayed, the Lord has helped me to change the way I'm thinking. Because I'm ready to pounce. And the Lord's like, you need to give some grace. I don't want to give grace. I want to tell them what I think because my opinion matters and I'm right. But yet I'll stop and pray and it's amazing how my heart will change. Where I'm frustrated will change into compassion. And then I get frustrated because I'm like, Lord, I wanted to be angry. Thank you very much. (laughs) Just let me have this one for a moment, please. But no, he, and it's amazing. Why? Because I made a priority of prayer. I made the priority of prayer. So prayer should always be our first response instead of our last resort. Mark chapter 11 verse 22 says this. It says, then Jesus said to the, to the disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. It says, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe that it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Now, many people use this verse, but if you keep reading, it says, I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. It says, but when you pray, first forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven can forgive your sins too. Now, that's important. Why? We ought to pray. Why? Because prayer makes a difference. I believe prayer changes everything. It can. Your prayers can change anything. Now, some of you don't even believe me. You're just like, "Mm mm-hmm. I'm telling you, your prayers can change anything. Your prayers can change any situation. Some of you don't even believe me when I say it. I can feel it. You're like, how do you feel it? I don't know. I just feel it. But I'm telling you, your prayers... Your prayers can make a difference. Not just my prayers, 
They're like, oh, well, you're the pastor. Well, the Bible says we're seated in the same place. My position is not who I am. It's not my identity. My identity is in Christ. Well, so is yours. So your prayers are effective just like my prayers. Like, yeah, but you know more about the Bible than I do. Who said that that was a qualification for your prayer? Leads me to my third point. Set that one up good, didn't I? I didn't intend to do that, but the third one. The third thought I want to give you this morning is, and this one's important. This might be the most important thing that we've said the whole time. Is that you need to pray from your heart, not from your head. Pray from your heart, not from your head. Sometimes your head gets in the way. Your mind, your thoughts gets in the way of of a heartfelt prayer. Why? Because your head has information. (laughs) And it's like, yeah, but. I know the Bible says, but. I know God did for them, but you ain't them. So you got to stop praying out of your head. Start praying from your heart. Not saying that we're just brain dead when we pray. That's not what I'm telling you. You're like, well, I got to say it the right way. No, God's looking at your heart, not your mouth. I could back that up with a ton of scripture, but I won't. But that's the truth. Is that God is what? Looking at our heart. So we need to pray from our heart, not just from our head. There's another quote from Martin Luther, and it says... Grant that I may not pray alone with my mouth. Help me that I may pray from the depths of my heart. Let me not just, what, go into ritual mode and just start throwing out words to God because that's my my routine and this is what I say and this is what I do and this is just what they told me when I was a kid in Sunday school and so I memorized this scripture and so now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. It's like the worst scripture to teach kids, but that's... Pray the Lord my soul to keep. It's creepy, but anyhow, sorry I'm flashing back there. But, I mean, we we can't just get into the motions of prayer. No, we need to connect to prayer from our heart. Luke chapter 1, or sorry, chapter 18, verse 1. I think this is interesting, but tell you what, I'm not going to read this for the sake of time, but I'm going to give you the gist of it. So it's verses 1 through 8. Jesus is teaching a story about a woman who went to um, an overseer, a justice, a judge, if you will, that she went to him over and over and over and over and over and kept asking for her to give justice to her. And he refused. He's like, I don't fear God. Why do I want to help her? All these things. And finally, she wears this man out. Wears him out and he says, I've got to do something for this lady because I'm sick of hearing her. Like, holy cow, how do I make that go away? I'm just going to give her an answer. I mean, that's really what Jesus says. And then Jesus gives us the instruction and he says, Learn the lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think that God will surely give you justice or give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him night and day? Will he keep putting them off? He says, I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. He says, but when the Son of Man returns, how many on the earth, how many will he find who have faith? In other words, who's actually believing me? Who's actually looking to me? And even Jesus says here, like, persistence in prayer. Don't quit. 
Don't stop just because you haven't seen anything. You're like, man, I've been praying for 21 days and I ain't seen God work yet, so why stop praying? Ephesians says, having done all to stand, what do you do? You stand. You don't back off. Nope, I didn't get my answer yet. It's all right, it's coming. Daniel waited 21 days before his answer showed up. I might have to wait 40 days. I might have to wait two months. Who cares if the answer comes? But what if you just stayed today? Like, God didn't work. I guess my year is just going to stink because God didn't speak to me in January. Maybe it's not time for that answer. And God in his wisdom says, I'm going to give you your answer when you need it. Because you think you need it. You don't really need it yet, but you do. But, okay, Lord, it's in your timing. I'm not in charge. You're in charge. So I'll have my answer or my whatever at the right time. And that's important for us to know that. Here's probably one of my favorite, favorite, favorite quotes on prayer. I'm giving you a lot of quotes this morning. This is probably one of my favorite ones. It's probably one of my favorite guys to quote too. His name's Samuel Chadwick. I love this, and I think it's so true. But he says, the one concern of the devil is to keep the saints from praying. You're like, well, who are the saints? We are. If you're saved, the Bible calls you a saint. That's what that, so. But he says, he fears nothing from prayerless studies. You can read the Bible cover to cover. But it doesn't bother him. Why? Because that's religion. He cares nothing from prayerless studies or prayerless work. Prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, at our work, at our labor. Like, let me give you an example to make this real practical for us. The devil doesn't care how much Bible we know. He doesn't care our theological positions on anything. And our effect in our city and in our region matter nothing if we don't pray. Jesus did not die for the church to be weak. He did not die so that we would not make a difference. He did not die so that we had no healing in the house. We pray, why? Because he's the answer. We do the natural, he does the supernatural, and lives are changed in the process. That's the problem with social justice. Oh, we're going to feed people. Yeah, but you're feeding their body, but what about their spirit? You got to have both. There's nothing wrong with social justice. Not saying that, but you're only fixing one problem, but not actually addressing, addressing the real need of the human heart. So we have to, what, be a people who prays. If we actually want to affect our city, like in a real way. I don't know about you, but I'm not content to just come to church and us be in this little room and do our thing and then we go home. I'm not trying to build a kingdom. I'm trying to build God's kingdom. But I also realize that there has to be a dependence in prayer for God to move and God to work. I believe in planning, I believe in strategy, I believe in all that stuff. But I also believe in it led by the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's like in worship, we can, the band can practice and hit every note, but if the anointing of God is not here, what's the point? I can get up here and study and study and study and give you all this information, but if you don't connect with God in your heart, what's the point? I don't know about for all of you, but for me, I, I want to be changed by the presence of God. 
Well, that requires that we pray individually. It requires that we pray corporately. We ought to be praying over our city. God, we don't want you to move anywhere before you move in Lake Charles. We don't want you to move, and it's nothing against anybody. I don't want you to move in another church that you're not moving in ours. I want to see God move. That's my heart. And and yet I realize is that even the enemy laughs at all the work that we do. All the things that we do to try to touch people's life. Because we can get all the mechanics right and miss the heart behind it. And the devil just mocks us. You think you're touching somebody. You think you're doing something. Let me just keep you real busy. Doing a bunch of unessential stuff. Because if I can keep you from praying, I can keep God from working on your behalf. Go back to my, my quote here. So he laughs at our toil. He mocks at our wisdom. I love this part. But he trembles when we pray. The devil himself trembles when we pray. He laughs at all of our work, all of our brilliance, all of our wisdom, all those things. And none of those are bad. They just need to be accompanied by prayer. You know, I have this habit in my life that, and it's, I've, I've always tried to maintain this. I can't say I've always done it, but I really try very diligently to do this. Is I spend more time praying than I do preparing for a sermon. I want to make sure that I've prayed more than I've studied. Now, I want to make sure that I've studied. I don't want to get up here and look foolish. I want to make sure that the things that I communicate to you are what are valid or good, that they're not against the Bible. I don't want to be a heretic. I don't want to be lying up here. That's, you know, but I want to make sure that what? My heart's in the right place first. I want to make sure of that. And so prayer is a priority for all of us. Matthew chapter 6, I read this actually for the offering, but yet even in regards to prayer, it says, Matthew chapter 6 verse 19, it says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. He says, store, yourself, or store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy them and thieves cannot break in and steal them. For wherever your treasure is there, the desires of your heart will be also. You know, just like we give that... You can also pray. I talked about that with Cornelius. To, to pray. To pray. Don't store up treasures here on earth. No, store up some treasure in heaven. And sometimes that's with prayer. Here's the cool thing about prayer. They'll outlive you. Amen. Your prayers will outlive you. Just because you leave the earth and go to heaven doesn't mean your prayers are over. No, God holds them. He still has them. Revelation says that he keeps the prayers of the saints in, in, in vessels and he holds on to them. They're precious. They're valuable to him. So it'll come. We just can't get so locked in on the right now. So here's my conclusion for you this morning. Here's my challenge to you. Having said all of these things, we want to make sure that, That we're in the right position through prayer. We want to make sure we're humble before the Lord. We want to make, make the priority of prayer. We want to make sure we're praying from the heart, not just from the head. And we want to be those people who would what? Who would pray first. That ought to be our reaction when people call us to ask us for advice. As a matter of fact, I challenge you, especially for those who are part of this church. If somebody calls and says, hey, will you pray with me? Here's your response. Have you prayed to the Lord yet? 
yeah, I'll pray for you, but have you prayed to the Lord yet? Are you calling me first? Because we want to be a people who prays first. We, man, we want to invite God in first. We want to, to, to see him move in our lives, in our, in, in our situations. And so there's nothing wrong. I mean, I, I believe in the power of agreement. There's scripture to back that up, and it is powerful. But first and foremost, hey, God, I, I want to acknowledge I need you <laughs> above anything else, above everybody else's wisdom. God, I need your wisdom. And we're inviting him in, into that moment, into our life. And so we want to respond that prayer is our first. We want to get better this year. Not at being a better Christian. That's not the goal. Oh, I just want to be more like Jesus. Okay, well, what does that mean to you? That's something we say around church, but if I asked you point blank, you may or may not be able to give me a very good answer of what that actually means. You know, one of the ways, because you see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus was continually in prayer. As was his custom, he got away. They went and found him in the wilderness praying all night. I mean, that, you see it over and over. And everybody wants to know, what was the secret to, to Jesus' power? It was his prayer. He would spend all night praying and then come down and work miracles. Everybody's like, oh, he's a miracle worker. Well, yes, he was, but it was that prayer that produced the power, not the other way around. See, prayer fills up our spiritual tank. You only got so much to offer. And if you're on empty, you're on empty. So you got to fill up. You fill up through prayer, through worship, through communion, through time in God's presence. That's how it works. So we just have to make that a priority. We have to make that where, man, God, I, I don't just need it. God, I want your presence. I, I mean, I want to I sense that you're close to me all the time. And as we'll do that, I, I, I promise you, you'll begin to see things begin to change in you. Your walk with the Lord, things you used to struggle with, it's just going to begin to kind of fade away. Why? It's because your focus has begun to change. You begin to shift into a, a new way of thinking, a new approach, and, and seeing with different eyes. And that'll happen when we keep prayer as a priority. And we say, man, God, I want, I want to be better at prayer. 